Our Father who art in heaven, praise, glory, honor, and adoration be unto thy holy name, for your goodness and your love and your mercy which you have bestowed so graciously upon us. We are partakers of your long-suffering and of your love. We see it in the daily blessings we get through the food we eat, the air we breathe, the water we drink, the security we enjoy and the protection and guidance which is granted to us in all our tasks and activities. Blessed be thy holy name, O Lord. All this you have done, not because we deserve it, not because of our holiness or righteousness, but in spite of our sins you have been so good to us, therefore we even worship you more. Our hearts are filled with gratitude to you. We long to worship you, we long to glorify your name. Therefore, Lord, we, un we understand and know that the best sacrifice and gift we can give you is our own bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable unto you. Forgive us, Lord, for not doing this. We ask, Father, consecrate us to your service. May the words which we will hear in this devotion be a means for that purpose. Grant to every one of us who are listening the gift of your Holy Spirit. Put your spirit upon me and put your words in my mouth, for I have nothing, nothing that can bless anyone to say. Therefore, Lord, accord me with blessings from above, that as I speak, Lord, it shall be as the oracles of God. Blessings to all who would listen, that we all shall reflect the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do this and take the glory. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, March 15 A Slave Mother Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6 Jochebed was a woman and a slave. Her lot in life was humble, her burden heavy. But true no other woman, save Mary of Nazareth, has the world received greater blessing. Knowing that her child Moses must soon pass beyond her care to the guardianship of those who knew not God, she the more earnestly endeavored to link his soul with heaven. She endeavored to imbue his mind with the fear of God and the love of truth and justice and earnestly prayed that he might be preserved from every corrupting influence. She showed him the folly and sin of idolatry and early taught him to bow down and pray to the living God who alone could hear him and help him in every emergency. She kept the boy as long as she could but was obliged to give him up when he was about 12 years old. From his humble cabin home, he was taken to the royal palace, to the daughter of Pharaoh, and he became her son. Yet, even here, he did not lose the impressions received in childhood. The lessons learned at his mother's side could not be forgotten. They were a shield from the pride the infidelity and the vice that flourished amid the splendor of the court. How far-reaching in its results was the influence of that one Hebrew woman, and she an exile and a slave. The whole future life of Moses, 
The great mission which he fulfilled as the leader of Israel testifies to the importance of the work of the Christian mother. There is no other work that can equal this. To a very great extent, the mother holds in her own hands the destiny of her children. She is sowing seed that will spring up and bear fruit, either for good or for evil. She has not to paint a form of beauty upon canvas or to chisel it from marble, but to impress upon a human soul the image of the divine. Let every mother feel that her moments are priceless, her work will be tested in the solemn day of accounts. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is A Slave Mother and our key text is taken from the book of Proverbs chapter 22 verse 6, a very popular verse of the Bible which says, train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he will not depart from it. Now as we have been studying the Bible from Genesis, we have seen the lives of our patriarchs, Jacob and his children. And we are going into the next stage, which is going to look at the life of Moses. But firstly, we have to look at his childhood and his parents, Jochebed, his mother, and his father, Amram, who were the ones that brought him up. Now, as we come to the end of studying the life of these patriarchs, we can move on in the hope that we also can be saved and transformed, and seeing how all those men of various characters and dispositions with with sins that easily beset them. They had peculiarities and defects in character, but the Lord brought them out of it. You also can have that hope. In order for us now to understand more properly the next stage in the Word of God looking at this life of Moses, we have to go back to the beginning. If we don't go back to the beginning, we will not understand Moses' life very well and not just his life but what his parents did for him. When Adam and Eve sinned. There was a proclamation made by the Lord which every other event that is taking place in the history of man is on that proclamation. When God had investigated and asked Adam and Eve concerning what they did, he finally came to the serpent, speaking to Satan himself directly, Satan himself listening to what the Lord said. In Genesis chapter 3, reading verse 14, and 15 it says, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed. And going on in verse 15, The Lord said to the devil, to Satan, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. From here on out, Satan was aware of God's plans. To have a people through whom this seed will come because he heard very clearly adam and eve also understood clearly what this meant that god was going to bring true man a person a human who who is going to bring an end to satan's existence and who is going to bring about a destruction of the work that satan had to adam and eve and will redeem man this promise Adam and Eve hoped for 
thinking that one of their children will be the one and it was not so now like i said from here satan was aware of god's plan to have a people through whom that savior will come and he had been seeking to thwart this plan that that foretold his destruction and his final end god must then have a people through whom this savior would come and he selected abraham and his children god had promised abraham isaac and jacob that their progenitors their children were going to be as many as the sand and seashore in multitude this is a very important thing that we should understand how this prophecy was to be fulfilled so god gave abraham a promise when he called him the bible tells us in the book of john chapter 3 verse 16 for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life this is god's plan that we should not perish and through this son this seed that was promised to eve and promised to the devil that the seed will come that will destroy him and it was through this seed that we were to expect a savior so in keeping with this plan of bringing that seed who will bruise the head of satan in keeping with that plan god needed a people who will who he will have as his own people and through them he will bless the whole world and what is this blessing in the end the final blessing is that the savior will come through them but even before the savior he intended to bless the whole world with these people's influence that's why god needed the people and that's why we must remember the promise god gave to abraham as we read now genesis chapter 12 reading from verse 1 to 3 it says now the lord had said unto abraham get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that i will show thee and i will make of thee a great nation that's literally a great nation and i will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and i will bless them that bless thee and curse him that cursed thee and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed so two things i want us to take note of here god said he was going to make a great nation out of abraham and not only that that in this great nation in abraham and his children the whole families of the earth will be blessed so for this purpose god needed a people and he wasn't just wanting abraham to have many children for no reason you see every human being has influence we have influence and god wanted to use the children of abraham these humans he he, he would train them as his own children more like angels on earth and bring heaven on earth through these people and it was these abraham's children that god wanted to use as a blessing to the world that when people observe their lives then they would know that they see god and they would know his principles and anyone following these principles will be blessed and say as we read in deuteronomy 4 reading from verse 5 to 8 where god and moses reiterating why god gave the commandments told the people the reason why god gave it to them hear very well now why did god want a people numerous a people a seed from abraham and what was he going to do with them in deuteronomy 4 verse 5 to 8 moses speaking to the children told them behold I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do so in the land whither you go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them. For this, that is the keeping of these commandments, is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear. Remember, why I'm reading this, God said that Abraham's children, through them, the whole families of the earth will be blessed. How? 
through the keeping of the commandments as i'm reading now in deuteronomy chapter 4 reading from verse 5 now i'm in verse 6 how is the whole family of the earth going to be blessed through the children of abraham now this is the way if they keep the commandments of god verse 6 keep therefore and do them for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations which shall hear all these statutes and say surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people for what nation is there so great who has god so nigh unto them as the lord our god is in all things that we call upon him for and what nation is there so great remember that word great god said i will make of you a great nation what was going to make them a great nation when they keep these commandments and people observe it now verse 8 says and what nation is there so great that had statutes and judgments so righteous as this as all this law which i set before you this day so clearly we see from the bible when god said to abraham that i will make of you a great nation and indeed shall all families of the earth be blessed this blessing was tied to his children keeping the commandments and statutes of god as a as a widespread influence as living in the earth as the salt of the earth as the light of the world so that when all nations observe them and see them and how they operate and the principles by which they live their life they were always going to say wow what kind of people is this i want to learn how they how they behave i want to behave like them because i see the blessings that comes to them because of the law that they have so god needed not just one abraham but people and the place the lord selected canaan that he said he was going to give to abraham remember that sodom and gomorrah was even more fruitful than canaan the plains that Lot went to, it was more fruitful than Canaan. So it was not just about a land flowing with milk and honey that was very good. No. God strategically selected that place called Canaan to place Abraham and his children because that place was the center of movement for all the earth at the time. Everyone will pass through Canaan to go to different parts of the world. It was a strategic location the Lord chose. A place where everyone needs to pass through and observe the people living in that environment and you will find out later that this is the reason why God always told the children of Israel keep my commandments there is a reason because people were observing them and if they keep the commandments of God the people of the earth the whole nations of the earth were to be blessed by observing the way the Israelites lived now this is the reason why God needed a people not just one Abraham and Isaac and Jacob he needed to multiply them so that they would be many it's very important for us to have that in mind as we go into the study of the next parts of the scripture looking at the life of Moses and the children of Israel now. Now remember that Jesus said in the book of John 10 verse 10, The thief, which is Satan, cometh not but for to kill, but to steal and to destroy. So what would we expect from Satan when he knows that God wants to use Abraham's children to bring about the destruction promised him on that day when he made Adam and Eve to sin. If it is important that the numbers of God's people should increase so that the influence would increase also, what do you think Satan would do? Satan would want to ensure that that does not happen. And also, he would want to ensure that the influence of these people will not be felt. So he would want to keep them back from multiplying and also, that's what leads us to understand too, he would also want to corrupt them. Two things he wanted to do. If they are keeping God's commandments, don't let them multiply. But even if they multiply, I would do things to make them not to keep that commandment, which is the real influence that will cause them to be a blessing to the whole world. 
So this leads us to read now in the book of Exodus chapter 1. It says, reading from verse 5, And all the souls that came out of the loins of Jacob were seventy souls. For Joseph was in Egypt already, and Joseph died. And all his brethren and all that generation, remember, only seventy people came to Egypt. The numbers of the people are supposed to be much. And the children of Israel, verse 7 now, And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly. So the Lord is doing it and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty and the land was filled with them now there arose up a new king over egypt which knew not joseph and he said unto his people behold the people of the children of israel are more and mightier than we come on let us deal wisely with them lest they multiply and it come to pass that when there faileth out any war they join also unto our enemies and fight against us, and so get them up out of the land. Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pitom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. And they made their lives bitter with hard bondage, in mortar and in brick and in all manner of service in the field. All their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. Verse 22 says, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Who'd who do you think is doing this? Why do you think this is happening when you understand the background of what God wanted to do with the children of Israel and their multitudes? Reading from Patriarchs and Prophets, page 242, it says the Egyptian king and his counselors had hoped to subdue the Israelites with hard labor and thus decrease their numbers and crush out their independent spirit. So what was his aim? Decrease their numbers, crush out their independent spirit. Who do you think is doing this? <laughs> we'll find out. Failing to accomplish their purpose, they proceeded to more cruel measures. Orders were issued to the women whose employment gave them opportunity for executing the command to destroy the Hebrew male children at their birth. Satan was the mover in this matter. He knew that a deliverer was to be raised up among the Israelites, and by leading the king to destroy their children, he hoped to defeat the divine purpose. But the women feared God and dared not execute the cruel mandate. The Lord approved their course and prospered them. The king, angry at the failure of this design, of his design, made their command more urgent and extensive. The whole nation was called upon to hunt out and slaughter his helpless victims. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Let me stop here for a while now. What do you think this is? It was that promise of his destruction that Satan was trying to avert through Pharaoh. Because as far as Satan is concerned, every step that comes closer to the birth of the Messiah is a threat to him. I continue to read it now. It says, While the decree was in full force, a son was born to Amram and Jochebed, devout Israelites of the tribe of Levi. The babe was a goodly child and the parents believing that the time of Israel's release was drawing near and that God would raise up a deliverer for his people determined that their little one should not be sacrificed. Faith in God strengthened their hearts and they were not afraid of the king's commands. Hebrews 11.23 End of quote. 
Reading from Exodus chapter 2, from verse 1, we see these people come into the play. That is um, Amram and Jochebed, the parents of Moses. And what they did in saving Moses, there was a reason why they did it. They had faith. They had faith. Reading Hebrews 11.23, it says, By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents. Why? Because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. Why did they do that? Why did they hide Moses? Because they saw he was a proper child. Moses was hidden by faith. Faith in what then? Because it says by faith when Moses was born, uh, the parents hid him for three months. They did it by faith. Faith in what? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. There was something they knew. In the book of Genesis 15, Genesis 15 verse 13 and 14, the Lord had prophesied something to their father Abraham. And he said unto Abraham, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them. And they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. And afterward shall they come out with great substance. Hmm. So this promise that was given to Abraham that his children will be slaves in a strange land for 400 years, it was passed on from Abraham to Isaac, from Isaac to Jacob and Jacob to his children. So much so that at the death of Joseph, which the death of Joseph is nothing less than maybe uh, up to 200 years between himself and Abraham. So you can tell that from Abraham's time till Isaac, till Jacob, till the death of Joseph, who is like the second to the last son of uh, Jacob, of, um, Jacob, you could see that this promise was being passed to them. They knew that they must leave. They knew that such a thing was going to happen. So much that in Genesis 50, reading from verse 24 to 26, you see that Joseph was exercising faith in this prophecy that the Lord gave to Abraham. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being an hundred and ten years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Hebrews 11 verse 22 says, By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. So, Joseph had exercised faith and you can imagine that the children who were around when Joseph died must have been the next two generations. He was 110 years. His elder brothers most likely were already dead at this time. And he, being maybe the last with Benjamin of the patriarchs from Jacob's family, spoke to the younger ones, the younger generation, telling them of this same promise, the Lord will surely visit you. Because God had told it to Abraham that they will sojourn in a strange land for a while and will be slaves there for 400 years. Now, Amram and Jochebed, the parents of Moses, knew about this promise and that was why they were exercising faith in that promise that this our child will be a deliverer of the children of Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. Why? The time had already come. It was approaching the time 
when that 400 years will be complete and they were hoping that their own child would fulfill that promise hence we read in the book of exodus 2 what they did when moses was born verse 1 it says and there went a man of the house of levi and took to wife a daughter of levi and the woman conceived and bare a son and when she saw him that he was a goodly child she hid him three months and when she could no not longer hide him she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink and his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him and the daughter of pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river and her maidens walked along by the river's side and when she saw the ark among the flags she sent her maid to fetch it and when she had opened it she saw the child and behold the babe wept and she had compassion on him and said this is one of the hebrews children then said his sister to pharaoh's daughter shall i go and call to the nurse of the hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee and pharaoh's daughter said to her go and the maid went and called the child's mother and pharaoh's daughter said unto her take this child away and nurse it for me and i will give thee thy wages and the woman took the child and nursed it and the child grew and she brought him unto pharaoh's daughter and he became her son and she called his name moses and she said because i drew him out of the water amen what a wonderful story here you are being paid to take care of your own child you see how the lord worked it out it was an important thing that miriam was there to suggest should i go and call a hebrew woman for you this was a wise lady here she didn't say should i go and call the mother for you she said should i go and call the uh, a hebrew woman she was intelligent as to what was going on at the time so she wouldn't let them know that she was the sister of that baby and she went to call a hebrew woman not letting them know that that hebrew woman that was called was actually the mother of that child and now moses mother was being paid to do her job wonderful thing here and now understanding like I, we said earlier that she was doing this thing by faith it's very important that we in our time learn to understand the prophecies of the lord and bring ourselves into it to fulfill it she was doing her part Jochebed knows, oh, I'm not going to be that deliverer, but I can give birth to that deliverer. I can train my child to be the deliverer of the children of Israel. Seeing that he's a proper child, she tried to do her best to ensure that she was fitting her child for the fulfillment of the prophecy that the Lord had given to Abraham. Now, what did she do? As we read in our devotion, Conflict and Courage, page 80, paragraph 2. Knowing that the child Moses must soon pass beyond her care, to the guardianship of those who knew not God, she the more earnestly endeavored to link his soul with heaven. Hmm. End of quote. So what did she do? Knowing very well that this child was not going to be with her forever, she trained the child so earnestly to link him with heaven so that when, she, when he leaves her watch care, he will be able to make decisions for himself, not monitoring him, that he would make the right decisions. In every age, as we study God's word, we find that there is a prophecy to be fulfilled and it's our duty to align ourselves by faith to fulfill these prophecies through our lives and that of our children. It is therefore necessary that we equip ourselves with the right training for this purpose. Amram and Jochebed knew these prophecies and trained their son Moses in line with the prophecy. Every child as, we, as it were today 
will, like Moses, soon pass from the mother's care to the guardianship of those who know not God in the sense of mixing with the world eventually. Jochebed knew this and gave her son a training that will preserve the knowledge of God in his mind. So how did she do it? We read in paragraph 3, she endeavored to imbue his mind with the fear of God and the love of the truth and justice and earnestly prayed that he might be preserved from every corrupting influence. She showed him the folly and sin of idolatry and early taught him how to bow down and pray to the living God who alone could hear him and help him in every emergency." End of quote. So we can delineate the things she did. Firstly, she taught him the fear of God. Secondly, she prayed for him. Thirdly, she taught him also to love the truth and justice. Also, she showed him the folly of sin and of idolatry and also taught him to pray. Those are five things she did. These lessons she taught to Moses are more important than calculus and algebra. Parents, what are you teaching your children? What are you training your children for? Proverbs 22 verse 6 is our key text and it says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And we are told in Conflict and Courage paragraph 6, hear these words, parents, hear it very carefully. Let every mother feel that her moments are priceless. Her work will be tested in the solemn day of accounts. End of quote. Your work is going to be tested. What is your work? Your child is your work. And that work is going to be tested. When they leave your arms, they are going to be tested. And we will see what has been done by the parents. Every choice that the child makes is reflecting what the parent had taught them. Now, when Moses left his mother, it was time for her work to be seen and tested. How was it? Was her work good? Page 80, paragraph 4 says, Yet, even here, that's in Egypt, he did not lose the impressions received in childhood. The lessons learned at his mother's side could not be forgotten. They were a shield from the pride, the infidelity, and the vice that flourished amid the splendor of the court. The whole future life of Moses, the great mission which he fulfilled as the leader of Israel, testifies to the importance of the work of the Christian mother. There is no other work that can equal this, oh my, to a very great extent. The mother holds in her own hands the destiny of her children and let mothers and parents in general, even fathers, don't shirk from this responsibility and blame God or blame any other person and say that's how the child is. No, that's not how the child is. You train that child right and that child will become right. The Bible said so that when you train up a child in the way he should go, when he's old, he will not depart from it. That's what the Bible says. So don't say, oh, it's the child's fault. No, we need to know what to train the child in. And we'll look at that very soon. Now, it says the mother is sowing seed that will spring up and bear fruit, either for good or for evil. So what is it that we have to look at? That our work will be tested in the solemn day of accounts. And what is our work? Our children. Wow. Our work will be tested. Today, as we read the word of God, we see just like in the days of Moses, there is a prophecy to be fulfilled. What are you training your children for? Are you training them to become the next great man in the world? What are you training them for? We need to ask ourselves this question. In the days of Amram and Jochebed, they knew the prophecy that, it, that there was going to be a deliverance of the children of Israel from bondage. 
And in line with this prophecy, they exercised faith in it. And when their child was born, which was Moses, by faith they understood this child would be a deliverer and they were training him for that purpose. Is there a prophecy in our time that we are to train both ourselves and our children to fulfill that prophecy? In the days of Moses, it was just one person that was needed. God needs many people today. Who will fulfill this prophecy we find in Revelation 14 verse 1? God wants our people in this time. He says, And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him an hundred and forty and four thousand, having his father's name written in, his forehead, in their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder. And I heard the voice of the harpers harping with their harps. And they sung, as it were, a new song before the throne, and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could lend that song, but the hundred and forty and four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. These are they which were not defiled with women, but they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb with whatsoever he goeth. And in verse 5 it says, And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are faultless. They are without fault before the throne of God. Do you understand that we are living in a time when this prophecy is to be fulfilled? To break it down more easily to us, in the book of Revelation 14, reading again from verse 9 to 12, in the third angel's message, God speaks about a people that he is to be developing now. He is to develop a set of people who will stand for him in these last days. And they are described in verse 12 as, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. This is the prophecy we as parents are to exercise faith in. And like Amram and Jochebed exercised faith in the prophecy that there was going to be a deliverer. And they trained their child in line with this prophecy. So also we today, parents who are listening, are you training your child in line with prophecy? Are you understanding that the Lord is developing a people in these last days who will fulfill this prophecy of those that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus? What is the training required to develop such a people? It is not found in the four walls of the schools. There I say it is not found in the popular churches of today. And be the church as good as it may, it is to be found in God's word, taught diligently to the child at the feet of his parents. The popular schools and churches of today are not instituted for the purpose of training us or our children for this purpose of keeping the commandments of God. We have to set our priorities straight. What are we training our children for? Is it to be the next great man of the world or to be affluent and rich? Or is it to be like Moses to fulfill an important part of the Lord's prophecy? If we would do as Jochebed and Amram did, we will not miss our reward, I tell you, and the Lord will bless you with an immortal inheritance. So what was it that they taught Moses? We read that she taught him the fear of God. How do we teach our children the fear of God? I'm not going to give you an answer of how to teach the fear of God. God himself taught the children of Israel the fear of God. When he wanted to teach the children of Israel, saying, I want to teach you the fear of God, what did God do? Deuteronomy 4, reading from verse 10, it says, Especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb, when the Lord said unto me, Moses was the one talking here, the Lord said to Moses, Gather, gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words. Why? That they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, 
and that they may teach their children. Hmm, the Lord wants to teach the children of Israel how to fear him. What do you think he's going to tell them? Let's see. Verse 11, And you came near and stood on the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven, with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. Now the Lord speaks. And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude. Only you heard a voice. Now take note, the Lord wants to teach them to fear him. Now they are hearing his voice. What is he going to tell them? That this is how to fear me. What is he going to tell them to do? Read it. Deuteronomy 4 verse 13. And he declared unto you his covenant, which he had commanded you to perform, even ten commandments. And he wrote them upon two tables of stone. Parents, do you want to teach your children to fear the Lord? So that they can be in line with this prophecy that we just read now, saying that there is to be a people who are described as the saints who keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus in faith like Abraham, like Amram and Jochebed. By faith, they train Moses, knowing that he will fulfill that prophecy. Also today, parents by faith, teach your children the fear of God to keep his commandments. Many of us are too shallow in our understanding of the commandments of God. And we do not care to go in depth to understand it and teach it to our children. It is your duty as parents to take up the word of God and his commandments. And the Bible says, teach it to your children when they lie down, when they get up, when thou walkest by the way. Always teach it to them. He didn't say, teach them algebra when thou walkest by the way. Or teach them Tom and Jerry and teach them entertainment, all its big brother and all the entertainment things uh, in the entertainment industry. That's not what the Lord says you should teach your children. At best, those things are even countering what the Lord wants you to teach them. The next thing we are to do as parents, prayer. We saw that Amram and Jochebed, Jochebed prayed for her son. So teaching is not enough. We must lay down, go down on our knees and pray for our children. Then another thing she did, she showed him the folly and sin of idolatry. Just call that in general. She showed him the folly of sin. How? By not participating in it. And also by not rejoicing in it, by frowning at it and reasoning from cause to effect with Moses and explaining to him, and you to do the same thing, reason with your children, explain to them the futility of chasing after the world. Read the book of Proverbs to your children, the book of Ecclesiastes and the parables of Jesus for these especially in the Bible show us the folly of sin and the wisdom in righteousness. To teach children the folly of sin, I say I cannot see anything better in the instructions contained in Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, in also the parables of Jesus and the stories contained in the Word of God, the history of how God dealt with the children of uh, with the children of Israel and even before the children of Israel. The way God deals with things, you will now understand this is the folly of sin. By the time you go to the book of Proverbs 5, Proverbs 7, you show them the folly of adultery, how it does not pay. By the time you also show them from the word of God, all the counsels and the Proverbs and the Ecclesiastes and the Psalms, they see, hmm, this is the right choice to make. It does not pay to chase after the world, to chase after the wind. You also show them through object lessons in life. From the things they see around them and the things they hear, you show them how bad choices lead to bad results and how good choices lead to good results. You show them the folly of sin and let it be deeply impressed in their minds. Another thing that should be done to our children, teach them to pray. 
teach them to pray by being prayerful yourself. I tell you, I have children here around me and I've noticed something. They observe what I do. And when I go on my knees to pray, I realize the next day, even I didn't tell the child anything, I just realized that the next day he wants to join me to pray. And not just to join me in my own prayer, but to do his own private prayers. Because they saw the example, not even precept now, but they saw the example and they just want to do as the adult is doing. Since they see me pray, they also kneel down to pray. I open my Bible to read and they also want to open their Bible. Not even want to, they actually do it. I see them open their Bibles to read. As I'm listening to the godly songs, they want to join and they say, teach me this song. And then they are writing it down. I want to sing it just like I'm hearing it and just like I hear you also sing it. And this is how the disciples learned to pray. If they did not see Jesus kneeling to pray, the Bible said that the disciples saw him praying and they went to meet him and said, Master, teach us to pray. Parents, if you are not showing the example of prayer to your children, your children will not want to pray. You have to teach them both by precept and example. This I just said now is the teaching them by example and then you should also teach them by precept. I am with the children and I'm telling them this is what you should do. The Lord said bless and curse not. And what do they do? When somebody insults them, instead of cursing, they bless just because I told them to. They've not necessarily seen me give the example maybe of somebody insulting me and then I tell the person, God bless you. But because I taught by precept that the word of God said this, children are very impressible. And this child finally got the opportunity to practice what I taught from the word of God. And this child had an encounter with another child and the child insulted one child the, the, the child i taught and then what i what the child did was to tell the other child god bless you how did they learn it by precept are you telling your children that when people fight them they should fight back that when they don't know how to fight they should bite that they should kick they will do it because that's the precept you give to them parents what are you teaching your children there is a prophecy to be fulfilled will you also by faith train your child to fit into this prophecy this tells us what we should do when we follow precepts and example we will train our children in the way of the lord another thing another thing that jochebed and uh, did for moses we read that she trained him to love the truth and also to love justice and hate oppression how did she teach him that by not showing partiality to him you being partial to a child, they will love injustice. They see you being unjust and they are benefiting from the injustice. Something that's supposed to be for another person, you give it to them. They are clearly seeing your partiality and their thinking is right. When you are being partial to a child and not being fair, that child has been indulged. And when I say fair now, it's not giving them the wrong side of impartiality in the sense that you are giving them benefits that they don't deserve. They will grow up loving injustice. Moses was taught to love justice and love the truth. How? By him being a recipient of that truth and a recipient of justice. Let the child be treated in a just fashion. If they do wrong, you correct. If it gets to the point where they need to be disciplined, then you discipline them. Let them know that action and reaction are equal and opposite and that every act will have, every bad act will have its bad result. These are things we should teach the children and train them up. I cannot exhaust everything, but train them up to fulfill the prophecy for our day that there is going to be a people who the Lord will say about them, present them as a spectacle to the world and say, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those that keep the commandments of God 
and the faith of Jesus. As we go on subsequently, we will see the kind of training that we are to receive that will help us to come to be these people and the kind of training that we should not receive that will certainly wipe away everything that you've taught your child in the word of God. Remember Romans 15 verse 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. There is hope for you and there is hope for your children. If we will do as these people have done, this thing was written for our learning. So as by faith Moses was hidden by his parents, trained up in a way that he would love the Lord and when he, was, when he left his father's house, they did not need to be calling him on phone telling him what to do all the time, parents. You monitoring your children shows that you didn't do your job when they were in your house. If you had trained your child in the way of the Lord, you will rest assured when they leave the house, they will make the right choices. Not you telling them do this, do that, always controlling their life. That shows that you've not done your job. You having to call a 20-year-old, a 21-year-old, a 22-year-old, always giving them every instruction of what to do, what not to do, because you didn't do what you were supposed to do. Moses was not being called on phone by his parents every time on what to do when he was in the courts of Egypt. He knew what he was supposed to do because the mother had done her job and Moses was not up to 20 years. He was less than that and was able to make the right decision. Parents, what are we doing? If you are not giving the right training to your child, you are giving yourself further burden in the future to always be monitoring them and be afraid. What will they do? What will they not do? Where are they going to go? I'm not sure of where they are. Don't give yourself that headache. Teach them from when they are young to love the Lord. And like I said in our subsequent devotions, we'll talk a bit about the kind of training that is doing a terrible work on our children so that we are not resting in our minds. We are, not, we are worried all the time because we don't know what they are doing. We don't know what choices they will make. That's not how to train a child. You have to train them to be independent and make choices for themselves so that you can leave them to make the choice and be resting in your mind knowing that they will not make the wrong choice. May the Lord help us. Let us pray. Loving Father in heaven, please give us the grace we may have made mistakes as parents and we are trying to amend it. Help us, Lord. The work may overwhelm us, but we pray, please help us to do this work faithfully. Wherein we have failed, please forgive us. For those who are just beginning to train their children as parents, please give them the wisdom to know how to go about this job in the way of the Lord. Help us, Lord, to fulfill the prophecies contained in your word and not to train our children selfishly. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers and thank you for answering. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.